This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. All right, we're going to see how this goes. I am here with Susan Tenby, the Director of Community and Partnerships with Caravan Studios, a division of TechSoup. Did I get did I get all that right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. 100%. And as my witness, that was my first take. All righty. <laughs> I have you here today because I attended a really fun event. Uh, I think it was called the Public Good App House, like Bath House, but there were no baths. No. Only apps. Very different, yeah. Can you give me an idea of what this event was about? The Public Good App House is a monthly event series. We hold them mostly um, in-house at venues like co-working spaces, tech companies, large offices, and then we also do them online. The online ones are more topical or vertical, like apps for accessibility or apps to combat hate speech. Um, they're the one that's coming up on the 25th of this month will be on apps to combat hate speech, and you can uh, attend that one at stophatespeech.eventbrite.com. But the in-house ones we have every month, and they are more of a variety of different types of public good technology, not all apps, some are platforms, but they all have one thing in common, which are they are public good technology products that help make the world a better place. And public good tech seems like a pretty vague term, so the way that we kind of define that is does the tech in some way map to one of the UN Sustainable Development Goals? So we have those every month. Um, They look a lot like what you'd see if you went to a hackathon demo day and saw pitches. The only thing that's different about these is that they are all public good technology apps. And uh, they're really fun. They're networking events. About 75 to 85 people show up, five to six app demos, usually sponsored uh, by the company that's hosting them. And uh, they're really, they've become a very popular uh, program. So they've, I've actually taken it uh, a step up, and it's now kind of a bigger initiative that has become most of my job. Well, this is really fun, but I'll tell you what. Uh, we actually went there and recorded some of those pitches. So... I'm going to bring you there live, and uh, I'm going to let you hear how they, uh, how they sound. Great. I have found the founder of the Can Do app, and we're going to find out what Can Do can do. That's great. Thanks, George. Um, so I'm Garrett Houghton. I am the founder of Can Do. Our mission is to make volunteering simple and social. Uh, on the volunteer side, you know, for first-time volunteers, it often can be difficult figuring out how to first start giving back. There's registration process friction, filling out a lot of application forms, going back and forth in email with nonprofits just to get to that first event. And so we're really trying to simplify that process for volunteers. And on the nonprofit side, we want to be a new recruitment channel um, that's reaching out to a new demographic where they can bring volunteers to their events. We sync and integrate with their existing tech to make it no overhead for them to get these new volunteers to their events. Um, right now we're launched in the San Francisco area. Um, we're launching our app in the iOS and Android store in April. So if you're looking to give back, go to the iOS or Android store and enter in Can Do App and you'll find us and you can start volunteering today. 
And how did you come up with this uh, idea originally? Yeah, so it actually came from a personal frustration. I was looking to give back and I didn't know where to start. Talked to a lot of my friends, called them up, they're like, we'd love to give back too, but you know, we don't know how, how to start, where we could, could begin. And so I was like, this is a problem that my friends are experiencing. We all want to give back, but there's just nothing that's helping us make that first step. And so really built CanDo to be that first step for many people. And talk us through, you know, you mentioned uh, sort of soft launching in San Francisco. How do you plan to roll this out um, uh, in a larger scale? Absolutely. So right now we're really just focused on the, the San Francisco area. We really want to build a community. That's important. So we're not just a tech platform. We really want to build a community around giving back and volunteerism. Uh, we do want to expand that to other major cities in the U.S. Uh, we think about, you know, creating brand ambassadors uh, around, around the U.S. to really champion CanDo and, and creating more scaled technology to really build tools for nonprofits where they can manage CanDo volunteers themselves. And, and that's really the next step for us after San Francisco. And great. One more time. How do we find you? How do we help you? Yes, it's CanDoApp.com on the web, CanDoApp on all your favorite social platforms, and uh, CanDoApp on the iOS and Android stores. And how do we spell that? Uh, K-A-N-D-O-U. Thank you for asking that. <laughs> Thank you for your work. And I'm talking to Find Hello, an app designed to help refugees. What exactly does this app do? So this app is a centralized database of resources curated specifically for refugees, immigrants, and asylees that uses Google Maps API. So newcomers are able to enter in their addresses and find resources in their town or city. And what does this look like on the ground when somebody uses it? Um, they can, again, enter in their specific location and then filter what they're looking for by both location and category. So whether it's an ethnic grocery store, a place of worship, um, immigration assistance, they're able to find exactly what they need. And how did this idea sort of come about inside of the organization? Um, so over and over, we recognize that there is not really a centralized database. Although lists of resources exist, they're frequently localized, and they're not available in newcomer languages. So we wanted to make sure the database was national, and we have almost 4,000 resources at this point, and that it's multilingual. So our users can use it in both Spanish and Arabic, in addition to English. And the final possibly largest hurdle. How do you get the app out there? What is your marketing plan? How are you going to get it downloaded? Um, we've really done kind of minimal grassroots out outreach at this point. Um, we're anticipating changing our name, so we'll be doing a bigger rollout in a couple of months. So just reaching out to the users um, of our nonprofit called the Refugee Center Online, as well as uh, the organizations in our network at this point. And how do people find you? How do people help you? So you can find Find Hello on both Google Play and the Apple Store, and you can download the online version of the app at therefugeecenter.org. Refugeecenter.org. Thank you so much for your work. Thank you. We're talking to Envision Mobile about their app. What does it do? Yeah, so we're empowering micro-entrepreneurs who bookkeep offline to shift to using a free, uh, simple bookkeeping application uh, to manage your inventory and sales and creating shared data analytics with organizations uh, to help spread credit score their businesses. And who did you specifically create this app to help? Uh, Micro-entrepreneurs, so these are basically uh, very small micro-retailers, um, both in emerging markets and even um, in, in the United States. And how did you come up with this idea? Yeah, 
it was an issue for my previous organization where we were working with microenterprises but had trouble collecting financial performance data from them. So we needed a way to do that uh, that didn't uh, take a lot of time and money <laughs> in collection and uh, realized that there was no technology really developed for Dom in mind. So we spent time doing user research to create that technology so that we could create an app that they want to use. And then the final hurdle after you've built all of this, how do people find it? What is your marketing strategy? Yeah, well right now it's uh, available for free on the Google Play Store. It's an Android app. Um, and our marketing strategy is we're doing digital marketing. We're also doing a lot of word of mouth through organizations, nonprofits that work with these types of beneficiaries, uh, microfinance institutions, and other and final question, how do people find you? How do people help you? Yeah, our website is envisionmobile.co. And uh, so you can contact us there. And, uh, and uh, we're, really, we're hiring right now. And uh, also trying to spread the word and awareness about our new technology. Envisionmobile.co. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, I've tracked down the maker of Cartito. Can you tell us about this app? Uh, yeah, Cartito is a place where people can uh, create map spaces, so it's basically crowd mapping as a service. And who is this designed to help? Uh, it started out helping those living on the streets, but we expanded it to really uh, to help anybody at this point. How did you come up with this idea in terms of creating, a, creating an app that essentially could map anything? Uh, well, based on first-hand experience, having lived on the streets myself, I know that living on the streets is hard to come uh, by resources that you need in the moment, real time. So we started out by trying to consolidate those, those resources in one place, and the product has evolved the last three years into what Cartito is now. And the magical statement, if you build it, they will come, but how are you going to market this app? Uh, we get out there, a lot of it's word, word of mouth. We're inviting people to a private beta right now, so if you want to uh, be invited, you can email solutions at visionito.com. All right, yeah. my final question, how do people find you? How do people help you? Uh, go to the website, www.diginito.com. Diginito.com. Yeah. Thank you so much for your work. Cool, thanks, man. Hi, this is Mark Rivna from the Nonprofit Times. You might remember me from such stories as the NPT 100 or the best nonprofits to work for. If you haven't heard, the Nonprofit Times has its own podcast. It's called Fresh Research. Each month, we talk to the authors of great fresh research about the nonprofit sector. Check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it at thenonprofittimes.com backslash fresh hyphen research. Or join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag fresh research. Well, Susan, thank you for... Oh, I should note that there's uh, there's also a dog in this interview. <laughs> Gigi always, uh, is always with me, so... This uh, this is not our first pet on the uh, on the podcast, but thank you, Susan, for letting me run around and interview and allow the the second second chance to pitch. You should definitely check out those apps. They're fascinating. There's a lot to learn there uh, on different levels. I want to take a step back, though, Susan, and talk about and help us understand the convening nature of this, because you know this wasn't a just one and done in the corner. You were mentioning a ton of these events. Help our audience understand why why you're convening in this way in San Francisco? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, what happened was I started going to a bunch of hackathons and realizing that there's all these apps for good, apps for change that are made 
and the people who are building them aren't really connecting with nonprofits who actually understand and are subject matter experts in the causes. And so I, it then occurred to me that there needs to be some sort of structure, some sort of community built around uh, civic tech people and uh, social entrepreneurs and developers who build public good technology as well as nonprofits. There needs to be some sort of way for all of those very different groups to network. And I knew that it wouldn't happen on its own, so this event series started as a way to get those people in the same room around um, a shared cause. And through the process, a lot of these app developers have found that they have told me that they've really uh, perfected their pitches and they have met potential funders and a lot of the nonprofits are having their technological imagination sparked. They think about app ideas for their own orgs. Maybe they connect with the developers. So it's been a really uh, fruitful networking experience for all. So help me because I'm sitting here as somebody you know who's in marketing or communications and a nonprofit in Kansas City or Raleigh, and my network is nonprofits. Where, are you? Well, like, how do I branch and reach across into these uh, very diverse uh, fields? It seems to to pull together an audience because if you know, if I threw a party, only my friends would come. So um, the way that I reach out, because I actually have thrown these events in cities where I don't have a network, I've done it many times, uh, and so the way that I do it is I will I'll look at the local Code for America groups, like the, the brigades, I go there, um, I find their online uh, Slack channels, and I go to their Facebook groups. I also There's also a bunch of hashtags I use, like Tech for Good, uh, to find people. I also use a tool uh, that I really love called Tweepsmap, and Tweepsmap uh, basically just like it sounds maps tweets, um, but in, it's tweep with a P, like Twitter people I guess, or tweet people, Tweepsmap, and um, those guys have built a really interesting tool where you can put a hashtag in, like let's say it's tech for good or apps for change or hackathon, and then you can look at all the use, the instances of that hashtag in certain regions. So I do that as a way to identify both developers and attendees of these events. And I also pitch, I find that I, if I pitch tech companies about these events, they seem to really want to host them for free, which is great and anyone can do that. And then I also go to co-working spaces because I find that um, maybe not WeWork necessarily, but Impact Hub, for example, has this, this community and this mix of the technologists and the social entrepreneurs. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's uh, some good tips here, and uh, don't worry about jotting that down. These links will be in the show notes, uh, in addition to the links to all of the, the apps we covered. So we, sounds like, get in-kind space from a tech company. We then stalk for good <laughs> uh, people online using different tools send out the invite, and then sort of convene and run a show. What I liked about the Public Good App House is that there was structure to it. It was quick. It was concise. The presenters knew what to expect and came ready. And, you know, it just it went smoothly. So tell me about run a show. So I have pretty much templatized these events at by this point, both the online and the offline. I'm happy to share those templates with anyone who wants to reach out to me. I know that George will include my email address. Uh, but the way that it works is um, in terms of like a quick, very high level outline, I identify the apps 
uh, mostly through Twitter and online. And I also go to um, some hackathon sites like DevPost and see who won hack certain hackathons and reach out to those developers. And I also look at GitHub and see if I can find some um, interesting apps on GitHub. And, um, and I search by region. Then once I get the developers, then I will reach out to the larger nonprofit sector and through social media and um, I post on a lot of different Slack channels and Facebook groups to get interest and I also reach out to co-working spaces and ask each of the developers to reach out to their own networks because that brings in people as well. Um, I craft some messaging then on the um, so once we get it sold out and something you should note is that it is not even an understatement to say it is a rule that 50% of the attendees show up, that 50% of the registrants show up as attendees. So I actually sell out an event at 150 free tickets, and I'm talking about for a free event, and 70 people or 75 people will show up. So you have to know that don't count on the amount being the amount of RSVPs, because it will be half if it's a free event. So we have the once I get the everything ready and the Eventbrite sold out and we're ready to go, I have a schedule and I tell each um, I have each demo person they will have already practiced with me at least once over a shared screen like Zoom, and they do five minute demos each with three minutes of Q and A after, and we have it in a very tight schedule so that it's an introduction from the MC to kind of welcome everyone. A shout out from the sponsors. We usually have a venue sponsor and then maybe another sponsor, a food sponsor. Then the demos, and it goes five minutes um, demo, three minutes Q&A, five in a row. A little bit of audience Q&A for about eight minutes and a group picture of the demo people at the front of the room and that's it. And the rest is networking time. Um, and so they tend to go by pretty quickly. I would recommend not doing more than five demo people because once it gets to, to six or seven, people start to lose attention and lose focus. Well, I think that's like an event in a box right there. And as a final point, like why, <laughs> this is maybe loaded, why would I want to do this? What is the, the upside uh, that you see for your organization or for the sector? Just to summarize it for us. I would say you want to put on one of these events, like this kind of public good app house event, because it's a great way to, number one, um, events are content. People don't think about this, but events are content, and they're evergreen content because we, li we live stream them on Facebook, and we also film them and then edit them so that each developer has their own video, not a video of the whole event, but an eight-minute video of just them that has their slides interspersed in their demo with uh, bumpered with their name on the first, on the cover slide. So everybody gets a piece of, all the demo people get a piece of marketing collateral for themselves. As an organization, it gives you an audience. It gives you a reason to reach out to your community. It also brings together different groups of people that might not associate your, with your organization. So it gives you a chance to widen the edges of your network. It's a great networking opportunity for the people in the room, so that's an act of generosity to your community. And being somebody who puts on events, throwing community-based events, you start to get a reputation as um, and, and a very of having a very rich network. So people want to come to your events, they want to share your events, so it gives you kind of, that way you're not just speaking to your existing audience, but you're actually expanding your audience and growing your, your larger network. Well, I'm sold. Uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good time. I learned some things, had some great conversations, and uh, hopefully 
hopefully you listening out there uh, will will reach out to, to Susan, grab some of those templates, and we'll uh, we'll have some resources in the show notes for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us.